COVID virus, please go to Washtenaw Community College's homepage at wccnet.edu. You're listening to a podcast presented by OrchardRadio.com, Washtenaw Community College's own internet radio station. For more information, please contact us at radio at wccnet.edu. Welcome to the third installment of the Mixed Hits Reloaded podcast. I'm your host, T. Green, here representing OrchardRadio.com. And I certainly hope you all are staying safe and staying healthy during these times. In the meantime, I'm going to try and entertain you for the next 15 to 20 minutes and bring you another profile of an artist or band from the past 40 years. We've jumped around quite a bit, going from the 80s all the way to 2019. We're going to take it all the way back to the 80s once again with the British New Wave band, Duran Duran, who were certainly a favorite of many, including my comm professor. So we're just going to go back to the beginning, you know, how they got started, uh, their success throughout the 1980s, kind of some of the ups and downs, the changes they had to make, and then keep you up to date on some of the more current things going on with them and what they have coming up. Uh, So, so Duran Duran was a, one of many talented bands from the UK um, following the footsteps of those like the Beatles and the who and coming before other bands like Oasis and Radiohead. Uh, you know, bands from that region that crossed over into the U.S. and many different other countries throughout the world with great success. Uh, The original members were John Taylor and Nick Rhodes, who were working at this club in Birmingham called the Rum Runner, uh, doing various jobs uh, such as working the door, DJing, and etc., So in 1978, they started laying the groundwork for the band. And to fill out the band, they needed to go through a number of different uh, guitarists, a number of different singers, um, changing things around. They even uh, had an electronic drummer instead of an actual human at one point in the beginning. Uh, the band name came from the sci-fi film Barbarella. There was a character named Dr. Durand Durand, spelled D-U-R-A-N-D. So they just dropped the D's, and there you have it, Durand Durand. So eventually, by the time they got to the first demos, they had a foursome of Taylor and Rhodes, plus Andy Wicket and Roger Taylor. Uh, At some point, Andy Wicket was gone from the band, and they brought on Simon LeBone as the lead vocalist and Andy Taylor as the guitarist, which moved John Taylor from guitar to bass. This was back in 1980, so they had the original five-some by the time they got to their debut album of LeBone, The Three Taylors, and Rhodes. And as a little bit of a fun fact, none of the three Taylors were related. 
you know, you may look, somebody may go back and look at their lineup, somebody who's researching them, or maybe some people of younger generations who are like, who is Duran Duran? And think, oh, well, they must have had some brothers or, you know, cousins uh, going on, cousin type thing going on. But no, none of them are related. It's just that Taylor is a very common last name, especially in the UK. So that's what it was. So in 1981, they had their self-titled debut album, Duran Duran. Uh, That one was followed by Rio. And then after that was Seven and the Ragged Tiger. So their first, second, and third albums, respectively, charted three, two, and one in the UK. And all three of them also hit the top 10 in the US. So they were able to cross the pond and find success over here in the States as well in their early years. And they had numerous hits like Hungry and the Wolf, Is There Something I Should Know, Union of the Snake, The Reflex, Wild Boys, and A View to Kill. An interesting thing about that last one, A View to Kill, is that it was a Bond theme for the movie of the same name, A View to Kill. That movie was the seventh and final film of Roger Moore uh, with his take on James Bond. So Duran Duran was able to cross into pop culture in a number of different ways. Uh, the Like with uh, Cindy Lauper, who I covered a couple weeks ago, Duran Duran was one of the pioneers of the early MTV generation in the 80s. Uh, They were some of the more visible people. Uh, They had the look. They had the sound to create music videos, be a part of the promotional packages, uh, you know, the concert performances. Um, They just had that it factor to be an appealing group to the people who were consuming MTV at the time. Uh, They had a, you know... A lot of young girls were comprised a lot of their fan base. Um, And they just, they were one of those names that you associated with that time period. You know, I mentioned the Michael Jacksons and the Madonnas. um, But, you know, those names like Cyndi Lauper and Duran Duran weren't terribly far behind in terms of being uh, that, that changing time period where, MTV became the voice of a generation and became that representation of popular music. And, you know, speaking of pop, uh, Duran Duran wasn't that kind of synth pop and uh, new wave uh, area. They had that vibe to them. And that brought them some criticism for being kind of shallow, vapid. Uh, Just more some people saw them as more styled and substance um you know sometimes it happens with certain popular acts um you know they're viewed as being attractive you know maybe they maybe they were derisively called pretty boys you know maybe kind of implying that they got by more on their image than their talent uh but but it certainly you know somebody must have thought they 
you know, brought a lot to the table musically. Otherwise, they wouldn't have sold as many albums and singles as they did. Um, but I, I think in later years, they were able to get more respect from, you know, music historians and critics and uh, the general population who may have kind of derided them in the past. So Duran Duran, you know, they had their big 80s success, particularly the first half of the decade. Uh, in 1986, they faced their first departure from one of the core members as uh, Roger Taylor left due to exhaustion, uh, which is understandable considering all the touring, all the recording they did. You know, sometimes it takes a toll on somebody. Uh, so as the 80s kind of came to the close and as we headed into the 90s, uh, that sound that Duran Duran was putting out there, the synth pop and all that, it was kind of starting to fade from the public consciousness. Uh, 90s, you saw the rise of grunge music, you know, Nirvana, Soundgarden, etc. Uh, rap, particularly gangster rap, was becoming taking more of a foothold in mainstream culture. And there were several other music trends as well. So, yeah, that a lot of the sounds from the 80s kind of went by the wayside. So bands and artists were forced to either adjust their approach to varying results because um, some people don't react well or maybe they can't pull off newer styles as well. Or, or they had to just kind of, you know, fade out. Maybe they do their their usual thing quietly with less fanfare. Um, so Duran Duran, they had a, hit a bit of a lull. They were still selling a little bit, but there was by their standards, there was a bit of a lull in the late eighties and early nineties, but they were able to have a bit of a resurgence in 1993 with their second self-titled album, Duran Duran, which many people call referred to as the wedding album. Um, the album art had their uh, parents' wedding photos on there, which has contributed to that name. Uh, and they had some hits from that, including Ordinary World, which was the biggest one from that album. Uh, they continued to make music in the 90s and the 2000s. Uh, they had some lineup changes along the way. They had a big reunion in 2000 with the original five reforming. Um, and they continued with that lineup for several years um, until Andy Taylor left the band for the second time. With Andy, he had rifts with management. Uh, he was dealing with some depression from the loss of his father several years ago. And a lot, that was what mostly contributed to his departure. But in the present day, in more recent times, they released an album, Paper Gods, in 2015. That's their most recent studio album that was released. It hit the top five in the UK, and it also hit top ten in the US. So clearly, even decades later, there was still an appetite for Duran Duran, you know, whether it was from their core fan base or other people who just you know, wanted to hear that type of sound again. 
they started working on their 15th studio album in early 2019. And we'll get more into where that stands in a second. Um, but, you know, some some of that was uh, halted a little bit because, uh, unfortunately, bassist John Taylor uh, recently announced that he had the coronavirus. And we certainly hope he's doing well. And he has said in interviews that he is doing well. He's only had mild symptoms. Uh, so we'll continue to hope for more recovery from for him. Um, but it, the news does sound encouraging from that standpoint. Uh, and with the coronavirus going on, it's kind of put a hold on a number of different things. I mentioned we we're going to get to some of Duran Duran's future projects. They were slated to be the final headliner for the BST Hyde Park concert series. Uh, they were going to be on July 12th uh, with guests Nile Rodgers and Sheik. Uh, Nile Rodgers being a big-time producer who has worked with Duran Duran over the years, including on their most recent album, Paper Gods. And the other guest was going to be Gwen Stefani, uh, the front woman for the band, no doubt had a lot of solo success as an artist as well. And, and is visible as a judge on the voice, but unfortunately that was canceled as were many other concerts due to the, uh, concerns about the coronavirus. Um, you know, without there being a clear timetable on when that's going to subside, it was probably a smart thing to do to cancel it and, you know, just say, Hey, see you in 2021 where hopefully they'll have the the same lineup set to go um, for fans who were hoping to see them. Um, that, that was going to be Duran Duran's debut at Hyde park, their first time performing there. And it was going to be their fir first and only London appearance of this year. So while it's certainly disappointing to have that canceled, um, hopefully that can still be a thing next year. Uh, the new album I was mentioning, their 15th one, uh, it was originally scheduled to be released later this spring. Um, but for a number of reasons, uh, I mentioned with John Taylor's health, the coronavirus stuff coming on, and just the general usual stuff in terms of the creative process and making sure everything's, you know, the way you want it. You know, a lot of music artists can be perfectionist. So uh, recently it was announced that that album's not planning to be released until the fall of this year. And hopefully that'll be the last pushback. Hopefully it won't be uh, delayed much longer than the fall. And then you know, we'll hear what they have to offer in this new decade. They have four of the five original members, uh, Simon LeBone, uh, Roger Taylor, John Taylor, Nick Rhodes. So it's still, you know, the essence of Duran Duran is still largely there. Uh, what, one other little thing, maybe not this year. In fact, it won't be this year, but maybe in the coming years is that perhaps Duran Duran 
could have the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in their future. Uh, it, it was surprising for me to learn when I looked into it that not only were they not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, maybe that wasn't as much of a surprise because there's such a backlog of worthy bands and artists, but the, the, the shocking thing to me was that they had not even been nominated. And it's not like they're some brand new band. They, they had been eligible for a number of years. Uh, so for them to not even be nominated, that's kind of crazy to me. But, you know, as we go back to what I was mentioning earlier of them, you know, being kind of polarizing in, in their own way, you know, maybe, maybe that kind of colored what, how people view them today, you know, maybe they were a little too much style and not enough substance, you know, but, but there, there's plenty of people who would disagree with that, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see in, in, you know, in several, in the next several years, if, if they get more support for that, but, you know, there, but that's, you know, they're able to keep some of their members for out the duration. They're able to keep their sound, their spirit throughout most of the last 40 years. And, you know, they have, they have been able to sell and, and continue to tour the world and do great things. Uh, so that, you know, whether they get those career accomplishments or acknowledgements later on, you know, they can stand by the successes they've had prior. Uh, so that that's certainly something you can't take away from them. So there you have it. There's the summary of Duran Duran. Um, certainly a, I would say, a legendary band. Um, you know, certainly a popular band in their day. Um, and, you know, we wish them good luck as they continue on with their future projects. And once things get back to normal, you know, we may be able to see more of them and hear more from them. So this was another episode of Mixed Hits Reloaded. Uh, this podcast brought to you by OrchardRadio.com. And once again, I'm T. Green. And we'll see what happens for the next show. Don't have any particular artist plan, but you know, I kind of like keeping people on their toes, anyways. And once again, once we get to that next show, we will try to make it the best one yet. So, for the Mixed Hitch Reloaded podcast, I'm T Green. Stay safe, everyone, and have a good day.